Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to a pretty energized, even though we're recording late at night on a Thursday, episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by, hey, new MLB Network contributor, we'll say right here, and our host, Craig Mish. Craig, it has been a crazy uh, couple of weeks, especially last few days. Let's just get moving on this. How in the world did the Marlins just sweep the Baltimore Orioles in four games in the last three days? Yeah, I don't have the answer to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did not expect that. Um, I, I think that what this is proving is is again, sports sometimes has these stories that are are so hard to predict, and and it just so happens that. The Marlins had the lowest of lows and, and are now at this point in baseball on the highest of highs. And it's and it's so unpredictable to come up with ways to figure it out, how it's happening, why it's happening. I, I really can't explain why, but there's no question that at this point, if you would have asked how you would have felt about the club seven games in being six and one, you would think that this is a team that has a chance to make the postseason. There is no question about that at this point. And in previous podcasts, even before the Marlins were struck with the virus so hard, this is what we talked about, how they had to get off to a good start. It was mandatory. They had to take care of business against Baltimore. But I certainly never thought it would be this after the results of having 18 of their players missing for this series. So... There's a lot of credit to go around. There's no question. At this point, it's it's a story that is captivating baseball at this point. And it it certainly has our attention here. And, and we really, I think, should be talking about how well they have rebounded from being out for a week. I think that's the key. And for me, as we move forward, I think it still will be the key. I don't think that we're ever going to forget the week that they went through. And certainly we haven't really had a chance to dive deep into that as well. Right. But the on-field performance, without a doubt, has is, is been as good as we've seen it in years here. And Jeremy, I guess the question that we'll have to ask ourselves moving forward is that, is what we're seeing real? And we don't know the answer to that yet, but we're going to find out soon. That's for certain. And it's just like you said, before this season, you go back two, three podcasts ago as as summer training, quote-unquote, was ending, and we looked at what that Marlins schedule was. And it was three against Philadelphia, four against Baltimore. And we said, man, if they could just be four and three after those first seven games, you'd feel pretty good. The fact that they're six and one after, as you said, 18 players went to the IL and, you know, Isan Diaz opted out as well. There's been so much that has gone on in the last week, but... Really, in particular, the thing that carried them carried them this week until tonight was their pitching, which is maybe the most remarkable thing, considering they were throwing into mattresses while in their seven or eight day quarantine. Yeah, and as you know, Jeremy, I've done probably about a hundred radio and TV shows in the last week or so. Right. So I'm going to say the same thing that I've said on those because it's just yeah. a lot easier to do. People have asked me over the last couple of days, especially how this is happening, why this is happening, and specifically the performance of a lot of these guys out of the bullpen. And I think that this is a really good lesson to be learned for a lot of just people out there in general, whether you're just you know having a hard time or you're not happy with your job or 
you know, maybe you're losing your job potentially, or you're struggling to make ends meet. It is really difficult. And it, and the comparison is not necessarily fair to a major league baseball player, but all of those guys are going through that too. Every player that the Marlins acquired over the last 72 hours in some way is sort of fighting for their baseball life. And, and I have to believe at this point, every guy that they acquired when they, when they were put into the game in terms of that bullpen and the consecutive streak that they had, had to be thinking, I better pitch well right now, or I could be out of a job tomorrow. Right. And one after the other coming into the game thinking the same thing. And when you pin an athlete against the wall, their very best is going to come out. Mm. And I think that's what we've seen. Whether it was Morin coming in the game and pitching well, or Moran coming in the <laughs> game or pitching well, or Josh Smith, right. or Schaefer. Or all of these guys that it's very apparent that Miguel Roas has no idea what their first names are, <laughs> right. but he knows their last names because he can read the jersey on the back. Yep. And that's essentially what we're dealing with at this point. A lot of players who are at the end, they, they have to fight to stay in the big leagues. And I think that that is an excellent lesson for a lot of people to learn is that it is never over. Just keep fighting and you will have your day. And if Miami decides to part ways with these guys in a week, there's going to be another club that's going to be interested in right. taking on, I think, some of these players who potentially could be let go. And, and I don't even and if Miami keeps playing like this, I don't know how they even let some of these guys go. I don't know what the answer would be, but that's a nice problem to have and a nice problem to think about. But certainly the scoreless streak to me is really the story of this series when it started with Pablo mm. Lopez, Jeremy, and then just one pitcher after the other coming through. And, and then they needed some bats on Thursday night and they got the result there too. And it's, and I, and you could really go throughout their team from beginning to end and, and look at all the different contributions that they've had. But since we've started this podcast, Wings and Mishes, this is basically the best that they've been. This is it. And, and, and coming off the worst situation that they could have possibly had. So I can't say enough, the credit that, that has to go around to basically everybody in that organization finding anything negative today is a really hard thing to do given given everything that's happened. Yeah, I mean, from top to bottom, it's been outstanding every single level of performance. It, you know, something that you just mentioned in terms of Rojas not knowing the first names of players, Don Mattingly on Tuesday have, was just meeting some of the guys he'd ultimately put in the game later, right? He had not met, he had mentioned himself, he had never met some of the guys that had signed with the Marlins that he was going to meet on Monday and Tuesday. So what he's done, for that matter, tonight he became the winningest manager in Marlins history. So congratulations to Don Mattingly as well for getting win 282. But you mentioned all of the different elements, and, and one I'd like to go back to for a half a second there is Pablo Lopez, who came out and and if you heard his post game sound after the game talking about everything that he's been through over the last few weeks his father passed away then you know his teammates were ravaged with covid he was quarantined in a room for 8 days just sort of sitting there himself thinking about all the things he'd been through and to now be in the position that he's in come out and make the start that he did after not throwing i mean it was really one of the more special performances i've seen for sure yeah, and, and, and look, at this point, we understand that Pablo is not human, and he was built by some <laughs> some company to come to the world and bring joy and happiness. And, For real. Um, yeah, I mean, there just, just aren't a lot of guys 
like Pablo mm-hmm. around in sports in general. I feel really fortunate uh, to know Pablo, but I, but I feel really fortunate to have covered sports for such a long time and to be able to judge uh, players based on personality and mm-hmm. character. And I feel like I've, I'm, I'm pretty good at that because of just the amount of years that I've been at this. And and I and I've met a lot of great ones and really nice ones and, and developed a lot of friendships with those two because I've wanted to because those guys are nice. And Pablo is in that category. He is just mm. always in a good mood. He never turns down a request. He's always smiling. There have been there were you know tough times for him last year. There were games where he'd give up seven runs and afterwards he was you know smiling and saying mm. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, and you know, shouldn't have happened. I'll get better. I mean, it's just, it's very rare to, to find this kind of player, and 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 every team, you you would wish you would have 25, 26 of these kind of guys. But you're right, Jeremy. Just specific to that performance, to have almost no warm up, and to come in and throw what he did, it basically set the tone for their pitching in the right. entire series for everyone to follow, and it it gets to that point that you come into the game as a pitcher and you've, you've seen this and heard this before where you don't want to mess up because the guy before you didn't mess up. And and it's that chain that just keeps on going where, well, this guy was pitch good. I got to pitch good too. And, and you saw that for the first three games of the series. And of course the things were a little different on Thursday and they needed the hitting. And, and then the hitting came through of course for them. And look, let's also, you know, Call it what it is, too. The Orioles did not, did not play no. well at all no. in that series against the Marlins, and they're going to face tougher competition for sure. But the Orioles had just come off a series where they played well against the Rays, and and it takes nothing away from what Miami did. You can only play who's on that schedule, as they mm-hmm. say in the NFL, too. So um, it takes nothing away from them. But the other thing that I would add from this, and and I was convinced of this before the season, and I'm still convinced now, uh, the pitching, of course, is is going to be the key for them to get far into this thing, Jeremy. For them to get into the postseason, it will be on the pitching. Yes. But I remain convinced more than ever that Jonathan VR is the key to the team. I think I think that that was the big offseason acquisition. They have not had anyone at the top of the lineup in years mm-hmm. that can get on base, cause havoc, steal bases, hit home runs. And I would say this about Jonathan VR. I don't know what his plan is ever in the field or at the plate. And it looks like he's going to get picked off every time he's on first. It does. I, I have no I have no idea what he's doing out there. But there's just something about him that has changed the team and has changed the offense. And I think that moving forward, he is going to be the absolute key to success of this team. Getting on base, stealing bases. Uh, you know, maybe a little reckless in the way that he plays. And again, I can't figure out what he's doing a lot of the time. But I, I really think that that was the key move. And without him, I, I don't I, they really don't have a guy at the top of the order. And they haven't had a guy at the top of the order. And I think you saw that on Thursday. I think you're going to see a lot more of that in the next two months. And again, takes no accolades away from Brian Anderson or what Jesus Aguilar has done or Corey mm-hmm. Dickerson or Cervelli filling in or anyone else. Takes nothing away from them, but they just haven't had a VR. They haven't had that guy. Maybe since D. Gordon. And I would say that VR, of course, has more power than D. Gordon. I don't know that he will be here as long as D. Gordon was because he's, his contract is up at the end of the season. But to me, still remains the key to the success this season. 
And as this team continues to score runs, you're seeing it from all throughout the lineup. That is the part that's great. You know, tonight it was VR who's three for five, but in previous games, you've had Aguilar hitting home runs. You've had Brian Anderson coming through in a number of different situations. All sorts of different guys getting on base. Francisco Cervelli starting things off last night with a home run. So all throughout the lineup, the guys that are getting plugged in, the guys who have been playing consistently, and it is nice to see, you know, that eight-day gap, you would presume that, yes, pitchers, of course, need to get their throwing in, but that the timing for hitters who started so hot that first series would be thrown off, and yet here comes VR and Anderson and Aguilar and Dickerson all coming through, all playing well in Baltimore and continuing to feast. And, you know, it's like we talked about going into the year. These few veterans added to the lineup have really changed things. You can see the confidence as guys now, like Brian Anderson, step up to the dish. Guys that have been here now batting fifth behind four professional hitters every night. Yeah, and, and Brian Anderson has players to, to drive in now, and that's that's a big difference. And having Aguilar in the lineup has, has certainly been nice. Uh, he definitely has shown power. He'll have to get on base more. Right. That, that's for sure. Uh, but and, and the other part of this, too, that's been so intriguing is I think they've had a Major League debut or a Marlins debut in every game they've played this year. Right. Every single game. They've either had a guy making his Major League debut or a, or a player making his team debut. And, and that is just astounding to it's think that, that that can happen and they could be winning like that. So... It it did appear that on Thursday night that that it could be coming to an end, but they just you know kept fighting and kept hitting, and the Orioles kept throwing the ball around. I don't know what they were doing, but yeah. but but it really it, it's 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 become a national story, and and mm-hmm. you know obviously people know by now, as you mentioned, that that uh, that I'll be contributing to MLB Network, and certainly I want to thank everybody for for mentioning that, and it goes without saying. Um, you know, they were featured on MLB Network a couple of days ago, and I think that that was special. Um, but, you know, for me, this this is real exciting because we've we've done this and, and we've built this podcast sort of in line with how the Marlins have developed, too. And, and when you when you choose to take on a new venture like we have done this and by the way, the, you know, our podcast continues no matter what I do. But when you choose mm-hmm. to do something like this, the end game is that people have asked me, and I'm sure they've asked you, is that what's the end yep. game for swings and misses? The end game is that the Marlins end up being a good team and we have thousands of people every podcast listening. And the truth right. is sometimes we do have thousands and sometimes we don't. But when you're covering a Major League Baseball team and there's a lot of interest, you're hoping that it becomes you know hundreds of thousands and millions right. and things like that because that would, be, that would be great. But the only way that's going to happen is if they're winning games. But... There was a lot of pressure for them to win, and I think that that pressure was taken off a little bit based on the nature of what's happened over the last couple of weeks, and it it just didn't seem to matter, and they ended up 6-1 uh, and one to start the season. So now they'll go, they'll play the Mets, they'll play the Blue Jays, and then I'm assuming that we'll, that I will get to go to the first baseball game that I've been to in five months on the 14th when they returned to play or the 15th, one of those two days when they returned to play the Atlanta Braves at Marlins park. So that's coming up next weekend. And I, and I guess the shame of this is for, for all of the things and the Marlins are playing great baseball, no fans can go to the game, but look, at least you get to enjoy watching it on TV. It's been fun to watch for me. I'm sure it has been for you and we'll see if they keep it going. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a joy sort of to watch with Marlins Twitter, to be honest. It's nice to see, 
some optimism and and some some fun happening within the fandom. It is, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time now on this podcast. This is what our 87th episode and we've been saying, you know, once the Marlins start putting it together. This this stretch here of 7 games, this stretch of 4 games individually, is that going to project the rest of the season? Who knows? And honestly, who cares at this point? They've put together an unbelievable run. What's happened this last week is like something Marlins fans and most baseball fans have never and will never see again. So we've gotten a chance to enjoy it. And now this team looks to be legitimately competitive offensively. If they can get some of those pitchers back later, if these random arms that they've pieced together in this bullpen can keep holding things together, who knows what can be in a 60-game sprint, as the Marlins are continuously telling us and have been telling us for months now. Yeah, and, and look, if, if they play 500 the rest of the year, they're making the postseason. Think about that. Right. Yeah. That's I it. Mean, that's, that, that's, that's what they're going to have to do. It's not going to be easy for sure. And, and you obviously know that they're not going to go 6-1 and one out of every seven games that they play during the season. No. But the reinforcements eventually will come back. I know there's no real ETA on that, but my guess it will be sometime next week. Maybe next weekend when they return home, we'll start to get some of those players back. I know that the guys that are, that are quarantined in Miami are all starting to feel better. They all kind of got hit at the same time. People have asked me this question quite a bit about uh, symptomatic, asymptomatic. Uh, I, I can't speak to every player that's gone through this, but a lot of them uh, did have some symptoms. They did have some symptoms with this and more than just, you know, uh, not feeling well. Some of them actually were sick. I mean, not hospitalized or anything like that, but uh, I, I think that that needs to be said and understood that this wasn't just as simple for 18 guys of, oh, I had nothing. I didn't feel anything and I'm good. Some of them actually felt stuff. So mm. I, I suppose that the wins that they've compiled uh, from the guys who are left still playing from from the big league squad uh, was for them, and you saw them put some of the cutouts in the stands too. And now we'll 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 see if what the national spotlight or and and what what the spotlight will mean for a team like this and how they're they're able to respond because it's, I'm certainly not sure, but we'll be along for the ride here, Jeremy. I know they'll get the Mets this weekend, and you and I will keep updating. We'll keep. <laughs> jumping here on swings and misses as long as there's things to jump on i'll i'll press to make sure that we get somebody uh from the organization wanted to give them a little a little bit of a break yeah. before i start yelling and screaming uh about about having somebody on here but i assure you that next week when we do this we'll uh we'll bring someone on to talk about this this whole experience and and i think that just for this episode individually i would prefer let's just keep it to what's what's been happening on the field I, I will say that at some point we will get into a lot more of some of the things that happened while uh, they were out and maybe, you know, some reasoning as to some other things that I've learned in this time. But, and I know everyone wants to know that stuff and, and trust me, there'll be a time for that too. But I think that for this episode, we're going to leave it at that. They're in first place. They have the highest winning percentage in major league baseball. And for the first time in a long time, we're sitting here in August thinking that they have a shot to make the postseason, which right now I'll take it, Jeremy, because we haven't had that in a while. And it certainly makes for better podcasts, better radio, better TV and everything else and better baseball in South Florida. It's certainly a breath of fresh air for baseball fans here in South Florida. 
Remember to like, subscribe, rate, and review. Go follow us at Jeremy Taché, at Craig Mish, at Swings and Mishes, all on Twitter. And follow Swings and Mishes on Instagram now. We're tweeting out graphics and keep you guys updated there as well. Everyone, enjoy your Friday. Enjoy this series with the Mets. The Marlins are in first place in August.